On today's episode, I'm joined by Karen Vecchio, the MP for Elgin, Middlesex, London. All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 69 of Conservative Roundup. Very, very honored to be joined by Karen Vecchio, the MP for Elgin, Middlesex, London, and the Deputy House Leader of the Official Opposition. Well, thank you so much for, for being here, Karen. I'm looking forward, forward to listening, and uh, it's an honor to have you here. Yeah, thanks so much, Aiden. And, and sorry, I know I've been invited before, but I'll let you know, Parliament was very, very hectic. So I was dr- really trying to balance things in my riding with COVID and reopenings, as well as my parliamentary duty. So the fact that this is the first week back in the riding, I'm so grateful to have this time to be able to spend with you. Great. Well, well thank you. So, well, that's, again, I'll say thank you. But why don't you start by telling us a little, a little bit about yourself first? Well, I was elected here in Alga Middlesex, London in 2016, and I came to that role with a a bit of different experience. Uh, For me, I was the executive assistant to Joe Preston in his constituency office, and I worked with him from 2004 to 2015. So I had a lot of opportunities to work on the ground with constituents and identifying the issues that, you know, whether it's legislation or programs, things of that sort, identify those issues and see how we could do better. Mm-hmm. So that was a real landing stone for me to get into politics. And and prior to that, I had had small business experience as being a, a coffee house owner. And as a mom, I think the experience as a mom brings a lot to this to this mm-hmm. job as well. Mm-hmm. So in 2015, I was uh, nominated and happy to be elected in, in the 42nd election. And then as we've gone on, I um, I had different roles. I've been able to work under Rana Ambrose. She had named me the Shadow Minister for Families, Children, and Social Development. And then from there, I became the um, Shadow Minister for Women and Gender Equality under Andrew Shear. I, I took on that role and the chair of the Status of Women Committee. And then under Aaron, I I was so proud, and in, two, in the September of 2020, I get this really fantastic phone call from Aaron, and uh, he just said he really wanted me to join his leadership team. And of course, how can you say no to yeah. a guy like that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really proud to be one of the individuals on his leadership team and, and getting to work on our agenda and what we're doing in the House of Commons and, and moving and trying to do our best for Canadians. Definitely. So you're the, the deputy house leader. Can you kind of tell us a little, what kind of that, that role entails and what and what it is? Absolutely. So I've been really honored to work with Gerard Dattel. And if anyone follows the the political life of Gerard Dattel, they'll see that he comes to this with so much vigor and passion for politics. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to work with him. And so we've split our duties up. He does a lot of the stuff that happens in the House. And I do a lot of the things that are with Procedural and House Affairs Committee. So part of that job in that, I, I'm working as the lead with Procedures and House Affairs, in which we're looking at important things that are happening in the House. Also looking at at the election that would be mm-hmm. coming up. And we worked on Bill C-19, so important things of that sort. I also work, and one of the great opportunities is to work with all of the Shadow Cabinet Ministers. So part of my role is representing the leadership team at Shadow Cabinet. So I am there um, representing our team and, and hearing from the Shadow Ministers, hearing from people report on the outreach that they've done on bills. And then what I do is I report that back on saying, okay, here's the information we have. It's mm-hmm. going to go to PNP, which is Planning and Private priorities and knowing Aiden I'm sure you follow up that whole thing on <laughs> mm-hmm. how we go along on all our legislation mm-hmm. so I kind of help move it that into that next step with the shadow ministers and with uh, our leadership team. So that is also a really big part of my role as well. So I I have the administrative side and I have a lot of that shepherding or working with all of the leadership on important bills that are going through as well. Is it kind of like one of those jobs you have to be on your feet like like 24 7 running around? Uh, Well absolutely you know something Absolutely, but I can tell you that the people that we work with up there is in well 
is amazing. Mm-hmm. So not only do I get to work with great MPs, but I also get to work with people that understand the inner workings of Parliament. Um, people like Adam Church, and if you are ever on the Hill, a name like Adam Church is a guy that knows on what page you can find that procedural <laughs> thing. And he'll tell you what's happened in the past and, and whether there's been court cases or whether there's been appeals to these types of pieces of legislation. He just has so much knowledge. And so I have the opportunity to work with a lot of people who are looking at policies and, and looking at outreach and getting to connect with them as well. So yes, we're always on our feet. So that's why um, that's why once Parliament was done, I can say my shoulders felt a, a little bit lighter. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. What's got, what's got to be the, the best part of being an MP so far since, since 2016? You know, I think, um, gosh, uh, what is the best part? So, you know, they're up and down, but I think knowing that you can make a difference in your community and mm. the work that you can do in your constituency, sometimes it's it's what you can bring, whether it's infrastructure and, and working on projects with, with your municipalities, but also it's sometimes it's that leadership on certain issues. Mm. And I, I see as MPs in this time of COVID, um, for anyone elected, we've taken on that new role as well, not just doing the things in Parliament or doing the things in at Queen's Park, but also ensuring that the leadership is down here as well. Mm-hmm. So I have been really fortunate to work with Jeff Urich. Uh, Jeff Urich, of course, is the um, the member of provincial parliament for Elgin Middlesex London. And, you know, we look at the leadership that we needed in this community because it, it has been very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. So we've been out there just, just trying to show that leadership on how we can move forward, how we can move out of this pandemic, mm-hmm. and how to make this a better Canada. Definitely. It's also, I mean, part of your, your writings, like around uh, London as well. So that, that's like, like NDP and, uh, and liberal strongholds. Are also, it's amazing how you've held on to your held on your seat with, with such grace, right? Well, our, yeah, our riding, so Elgin Middlesex London is surrounded. It's, it's, we are that definition of, I say, what Canada looks like. We have a big city, which is London, and then we have tons of rural communities as well. So I kind of have a 50-50. I've got the city of St. Thomas and a portion of London, and then I have a lot of rural municipalities that are very agricultural, some small business, but really in that agri-production. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when I talk about what I'm doing, yeah, I, I represent people that live in a population of 400,000, and I represent people who live in hamlets. So I have very, very different needs. And so mm-hmm. when, you know, we talk about broadband, well, it's a totally different thing to my constituents in London versus my constituents in Rodney. Mm-hmm. So it's a really, really great thing. But I look at it as saying, this is what Canada looks like, and this is these are the challenges that we see, so we have to find uh, a common ground. Mm-hmm. So I am... In my writing in London, we have two Liberals and one NDP. So yes, mm-hmm. the half, I'm very fortunate to still have this writing as we continue to grow. But mm-hmm. you know, we've had some really great leadership from this area as well. Definitely. I mean, yeah, we I mean, we got an extra. Was it 22 seats last time? Uh, yeah, we, yeah, we went from 99 to 121. Yeah, well, yeah. That's really amazing. It's kind of the sad part because we kind of didn't really pick up more so in the urban areas than we did the, I guess, previous world. I mean, we got some extra in BC. We got the rest of Calgary and Edmonton, and we still have to get that last orange one. Oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, we, absolutely. We finished uh, off oh, Saskatchewan. We need something up there in Edmonton. Absolutely. Oh, uh, gosh, I mean, yeah. Alberta would be blue. It's just got that little speck of yellow <laughs> there. So. Oh, no, and that NDP member, it's like really crazy, too, because she, she calls for like health payments to be suspended to alberta she doesn't want like gas and oil running it's, it's really crazy how, how sick of the one alberta how they support well her. you know it's, it's interesting to look at alberta and how diverse it is because i think as ontarians we we have an image of what we see alberta to be mm-hmm. but it's not that it is it has the oil and gas it has big lots of big business lots of natural resources it's mm-hmm. 
really, really diverse as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we kind of just, I think what we do sometimes is we just assume it's about one thing, but it is about so many things out there at West. Mm-hmm. So we need a, a couple more conservatives mm-hmm. to ensure that uh, that voice continues to be heard. Definitely. Hopefully in the GTA as well. So we, we, kind of, we need to pick up in the, the, the uh, out east down in the Maritimes. Quebec. Yeah. Quebec's always played a wild card, so we'll kind of see how that shifts. The GTA definitely. I mean, we have or is it like a little bit over thirty seats, maybe forty up in there as well. Yeah, there, there's so many seats. When you start looking into the Toronto area, and then you start looking at the GTA, we have nothing truly in what you would see Toronto center area. But once you mm-hmm. go out, we we have amazing MPs. Like I think of, of Peter Kent. Who cannot love Peter Kent? We've mm-hmm. got Peter Kent. We have uh, Aaron, of course, who's just mm-hmm. in, in Durham. But Bob Soroya, who's in that Markham area. So as you're looking at the top part of Toronto, we have some really strong members of parliament mm-hmm. that are representing conservatives. So I'm really happy that. But then if you look to the east and you look to the west, <laughs> you're going to find conservatives. Definitely. My next yeah. question for you is what are some issues uh, facing your constituents or issues in your riding? Well, you know, uh, if we just go back to the beginning of this month, we had that horrific um that horrific terrorist event that happened here in, in London where mm-hmm. the family, where the four members were killed. And, you know, you, you think about what we can do there. So I know that our community is really wrangling with that. That is that is one of the biggest issues that we were dealing with as mm-hmm. Islamophobia. Um, and then talking about what that looks like, racism as a whole, because, you know, when you start talking about Islamophobia, you can't not talk about anti-Semitism. Mm-hmm. You have to talk about what it all looks like. And I think in a community such as mine, where let's be honest, everybody looked just like this. And when I went to when I went to church, there was your United Church, and there was your. It was funny in my community, there was a United Church, a Baptist Church, and a Quaker Church. So really, mm-hmm. of all of that Christian descent. So for me, and and, and being part of this riding, it is always um, amazing to see how diverse we are. But I always think, because we're a smaller community sometimes, even in St. Thomas, we, we do very, very well with this type of diversity uh, because everybody does know somebody. You know, I always say that six mm-hmm. degrees of separation <laughs> is really common in Elgin Middlesex, London, and mm-hmm. that's what I love about these communities. They're small, um, but they're growing very large. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, racism has, has taken a real hold on our community, and um, that is something that I will continue to work on because, um, you know, I, I think... Every Canadian needs to be treated equally, uh, mm. regardless of, of uh, where you came from, regardless of you know whether you've been here for 300 years or you just came here and you've been here for 30 days. There's there's mm. things that we can do better. Definitely. So I'm working on a lot of that. Mm-hmm. Of course, the economy. The economy is a huge issue here. Mm-hmm. Uh, agriculture is one of our biggest productions here in Elgin, Middlesex, London. Of course, in, in my Elgin part of the riding is very agriculturally based. Mm-hmm. And so ensuring that we have the openness with the, our United States partners. In my area, it was about 80% of our goods were going to the United States. Really big in manufacturing automotive mm-hmm. until the last couple decades of course uh but really into the agri-food products and really into advanced manufacturing so Mm -hmm. making sure we are doing well on our trade and with the economy those are some big things as well definitely and being from the london area we have incredible health care so a lot when it comes to innovation and research i think we have lots of opportunities to do here Mm -hmm. um london has the london health sciences center where they have one of the best clinics you see for whether it's children's cancer patients or the london uh, children's hospital so many opportunities and with the university of western ontario they've worked uh, a lot together to do research and i think we can do a great job on that as Mm -hmm. we're moving forward too 
definitely x-wing yeah, we're going to stage right now where we're, we're like yeah we, we really we really need to put money towards this we need to have more innovation here and in, in areas that that really needs so right so i mean yeah, also absolutely. is that i mean we see the budget not a lot of it even went to to helping people out I mean, and you, you really, we're like like going through the budget and everything. And you kind of like, well, well, what's this kind of money for? Well, what's this? Well, well what's this supposed to be for? You kind of like, did you kind of pick up on that a lot? Or? Oh my goodness! See, I look at the budget just as I I do a family home. It's called wants versus needs. <laughs> you you know, it's that simple. And when I I've taught my children. I will help you with your needs. I will buy you new shoes when you have to go back to school. I will do those certain things, your, your books. Those mm -hmm. are wants, or those are needs. Mm -hmm. But then we start getting into the wants. And I think what we've seen with this government over the last six years, they're not really doing very well on the needs. We see a lot of that <laughs> mm -hmm. money either being cut or being just like, you know, Thrown where around. we need to make more investments, we're not. Mm -hmm. But they just love to throw money out the door. And it's not mm -hmm. on things that we necessarily need. And so when I talk about spending, I really look at wise spending. How would you spend that dollar? I really do believe that a dollar in a dollar out, that's the way it should, mm -hmm. that's the way it should work. And uh, I'm really scared of what I see coming. This government, holy shnikes, $1.3 <laughs> trillion. Mm -hmm. How the heck, how the heck is your generation, Aiden, ever going to help Get, are ever going to be able to get off the ground when you've got so much debt and it's not even your debt it's debt from my generation it's debt from generations past as well all being loaded onto your shoulders i have five kids uh, my son has about a twenty thousand dollar down payment for a house but he can't find a house uh, my my children are all of those things where you're graduating out of college and universities and, and what's mm -hmm. the next step and i just sit there and i think I watch inflation, I watch all of these different challenges and barriers that I see for the next generation coming up. Mm -hmm. So golly, you want to talk about the budget? I just think it's brutal. Mm -hmm. And that's probably the best way I can put it. It's just spending on everything and anything and trying to get votes and, and just sprinkling a little money here and sprinkling mm -hmm. a little money there. But it doesn't do it doesn't actually do what we need to do, which is create uh, a, and create an environment for a strong economy. It's not up to the government to create jobs. It's mm -hmm. not. And this is all they're focused on. Jobs should be the number one issue, but it's on how do you create the environment for jobs? Mm -hmm. So low taxes, um, you know, good laws, things like that. Mm -hmm. We haven't seen any bright decisions over this last year under this government. So I look at the businesses who have suffered due to this COVID pandemic, oh. and it's because you've got the leadership at the top, like the prime minister who just hasn't got a clue what's going on sometimes definitely well i have one answer for you about how my generation is going to pay it off they aren't because uh, they're just going to keep voting in justin trudeau and jagmeet singh i'll tell you that because uh, i mean right, i mean yeah but, like, look we're going into the next couple of years where like my generation is going to be able to vote and it's not looking blue i'll tell you that it'll either go red or it'll go orange and that's you the know, sad part it, it's interesting because i've had those conversations because a lot of people will ask me what makes me a conservative or or you know um and i look at some of the things that people will talk about and i think many of the issues that a youth are talking about are things that we can do absolutely and things that we can do that we're being challenged with mm -hmm. but with, it's not a quick fix and i think a lot of times what happens is when i see people voting for uh, the liberals or voting for the or, or for, for the ndp they have these real like you know there's one or two principles that they're really latched onto, and that's the mm -hmm. why they re that's the reason they vote there when people vote for conservatives they're voting for a package deal. They know that they've got strong economic values. They know that they want strong foreign policies. There's a variety of different things. And what I see with, especially when you're voting in, in some of these parties, it's just because it's whatever the, 
not the fad. It's whatever the issue is of the day. Mm -hmm. And the thing is, they haven't put the time or the energy into it to actually find a solution. So those are some issues that I have because, I I mean, the NDP will always continue to protest what they see is wrong. Mm -hmm. But give us a solution. And, and because they've never been in government, they don't actually know how to get into solutions. They, they can talk about what it looks like, but they've never had to put the dollars mm-hmm. and the bodies and the resources into what that might look like. Mm-hmm. So I've got lots of thoughts. But, you know, Aiden, I, I do believe you're correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do believe that we've got to be very, very aware of this as conservatives, that we are seeing um, so many of these policies uh, that are being talked about at the uh, – at the secondary school level, at the post-secondary level, things where there is an influence are on our mm-hmm. young young children and kids. Mm-hmm. And I think the thing is there needs to be really non-biased conversations where you're talking about the whole of issues. Um, you're talking about what the issues are and how you're going to get there. I think conservatives are all about solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> we, get the we get That's things done. We get things done, right? That's the way I look right? at it. We're about solutions. The mm-hmm. other parties are about, here, let's take a picture. <laughs> let's conservatives find the solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, we get things done, right? I mean, look at I mean, Stephen Harper got us through the 0809 recessions with with his strong fiscal policies. And I mean, yeah. and that was when the huge blue wave hit, right? I mean, like almost every single ride. I mean, literally, we had over 50% of votes that almost every single riding a conservative was elected in. Yeah, oh, it was great. And I remember that when we looked at the 2000 election, when it went into the strong, stable uh, majority. <laughs> um, it, it was an incredible campaign, too, as you watch this, because we saw the orange wave come through Quebec. Mm-hmm. So that was really amazing watching that in that election as, as running the campaigns and seeing what was going mm-hmm. on. Um, and you could see the flops. And I remember our, our NDP candidate for the NDP and he ran but it was great to see the liberals in that uh, in that election the guy thought oh I gotta go the liberals are the strongest <laughs> team uh, Ryan switched the liberals got defeated got a third or fourth place <laughs> way to go but it, it was one of those things it's it's sometimes it's the excitement and, and things but the that 2011 election I just remember um, May 2nd being an awesome day here in Canada. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Well, and it's so bewildering too, right? Because I mean, we look at the, like, the Trudeau wave in 2015, you kind of think, well, how does that kind of, you go from this huge blue wave to the, the Trudeau wave now, right? Yeah. I mean, it's so there, well, crazy. There's been so many different things too, and we have to also look at how um, voters are being mobilized. There are different issues, and I think that what we saw in, in many of our previous elections, there was always social issues there, but I think what we've always stuck on is on, on economic issues, and that's something that's very, very important. And 2011 was definitely about the economy and a strong United Canada. So in 2011, it was about the economy, and, and in, by 2015, people kind of forgot about what happened in 2008 and 9 and, and the global economic downturn turn things mm-hmm. had been okay and what you always hear is is conservatives always come to clean it up and yeah. so right now i look at this as the they're making the mess now conservatives will have to come and clean this up soon mm-hmm. because this is what's happened whether it was after the paul martin government and crochet government whether it was after uh, the former trudeau government all of these things always land on our laps mm-hmm. but the 2015 wave 72 days lots of different things can happen during an election and i, I think we saw so many of the a huge crisis that we saw in the world uh, mm. impacting Canadians on a very emotional level. And I can tell you the day that that young boy's body landed up on the beaches uh, that we saw um, and, and happening in Syria, there was a change to the campaign. The, the campaign had changed 
greatly during that period of time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying whether it was for good or bad. I think it's really important that we were aware of what was going on. But I think that we're going to see a lot more of this, too, going on to an elections. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we are seeing this, I mean, right now. Uh, I don't think any Canadian can find the words to pro appropriately talk about what we're seeing with Indigenous people. Mm. And the, you know, the horrific uh, 751 in Saskatchewan last week, 215 in Kamloops the week before. These things are absolute tragedies. And I think as Canadians, we really need to be very reflective at this time. Mm -hmm. um, I think we'll see some people spin off into different ideas. But I think as a, uh, as a country, it's an, a time for us to reflect. Because we, we've talked always, and, and I think Trudeau used to always say that there's, you know, we can always do better. Yes, we can do better. <laughs> but, you know, when we're coming across these atrocities, we have to be much more of, um, compassionate. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we're going to see from our country right now as well. And yeah, so right. my fear is that it's going to be very, very politicized. But I think this is a time where we do recognize what happened to our Indigenous people's ancestors. Mm -hmm. And uh, knowing that was just, even in my generation, you know, I think about, I graduated from high school in 1990. Those schools were still open at that time. Holy shnikes. I knew nothing about them, though. Mm -hmm. That's not, my ignorance is not an excuse, but these are things that we're going to have to really open up to what the history of Canada is. Definitely. I mean, yeah, as well. I mean, it's such a it's such a disheartening thing because now we people kind of want to take that and use that as a as a way to cancel Canada Day in, in some shape or form, right? And that's the sad part. Yeah. I mean, that's Canadians. That's our, our day to come together and kind of celebrate of why who we are and why why we're here, right? And it, it's real. It's saddening as well. I mean, because we, we look at all these different uh, the tragedies. I mean, we look at the London pre earlier this month. We look at you now the the seven hundred and fifty one in Saskatchewan. And it's really disheartening too for a lot of people. But I mean, just—I mean, literally Justin Trudeau. I mean, he's literally taking a hundred million dollars to fight Indigenous people over residential schools in courts. And it's people just kind of just want to give him like a, a free pass on it. I mean, no one wants to acknowledge it or kind of say that he's doing it. There, there seems to be a free pass all the time, and and you know it's really interesting because the NDP have done a very good job trying to keep him, especially with some of their, especially with some of their Indigenous MPs, mm -hmm. keeping him to account. The problem is every time they need a vote, the NDP then will back him. So in one hand, they're pushing him on these really hard topics. On other, on the other hand, the the, mm -hmm. the same people that hold their government together mm -hmm. and so although i really appreciate their words their actions speak so much different <laughs> and mm -hmm. um and those are concerns that i have but mm -hmm. you know our country has become very divisive mm -hmm. and it, it's uh, you know it, it's a tragedy to see but at the same time i think that we as a country need to heal together and need to be part of this mm -hmm. uh, of this um I think that this, I do fear where some Canadians will choose to take this discussion, and I think that they'll make it a lot worse, and that we will see uh, some protests that will be very, very difficult. But I think if mm -hmm. you're speaking to probably 80% of the Canadians, they want to reflect and see what we can do better, recognizing mm -hmm. the rights of, that we're taking away from Indigenous people. Definitely. Uh, it's so important to say, too, is Rob, because I mean, Different. I mean, some people want to acknowledge that they, they want to ignore it or they or it's kind of we're like, we'll, we'll read about it and then we'll kind of just, we'll, we'll move on. We, uh, it doesn't matter to them, right? I mean, it, I mean, it's important to learn. We need to educate everyone about it and we, and we really need to, to come together and say, well, hey, 
this was wrong we should definitely learn from our past and move on and, and kind of learn going into into the future as well I, uh-huh. and, and people are i mean there's i mean they're just so ignorant nowadays as well i mean we can't even have discussions in canada i mean i mean, I mean it's conservative i mean you try i mean i'm 16 i'm in grade 10 i mean i can't even have a, a conversation with a liberal at my school without i mean if it's on media you get blocked or if it's in person they just walk away i mean that, that's the reality of it do you know something? It's so true, and it's interesting because just on Saturday, I accepted a friend request from one of my biggest um, – a person that I was always commenting on my, my member of parliament page. Mm-hmm. And over the couple last couple of years, I watched him change. I watched his total belligerence calm down, calm down, calm down to a point where – we actually started reposting some of my things without negative comments. Just, mm. I was like, holy shnikey. So I always say it's one person at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, politics is about one person at a time. But I look at the fact that if we tried to have a conversation probably four years ago, it wouldn't have worked. Mm-hmm. But today, it will work. And and um, you have to keep on those challenging conversations. Mm-hmm. I just keep on saying, well, when you're ready, we'll mm-hmm. have those. Like when mm-hmm. you're ready. And I think we have so many people that are on this idea that you have to be right or wrong on topics. I believe everybody brings something to the conversation. Let's not kid yourself sometimes, <laughs> especially if it's between my husband and I, I believe I'm probably 90% right and he's 10%. But I think a lot of times, you know, I've, I've become extremely empathetic in this job, recognizing the difficult things that people have gone through. And I think a lot of that comes from being a constituency assistant when I've worked with veterans who couldn't get their benefits, when I've worked with people losing their homes, losing their jobs, uh, leaving an abusive spouse, all of those different things have really changed me in this. And, and I think through this pandemic, it's been uh, that experience was very, very helpful, very, mm-hmm. very helpful, because I, I it's not that I'm coming from a place of privilege. I'm coming from understanding what people are going through mm-hmm. and to have true conversations. But I get really tired of when you try to talk about something and you're shut mm-hmm. down mm-hmm. just for the sake of being a conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw that last week, and I think it was Bill C-206. It's uh, Philip Lawrence's bill. Mm-hmm. And um, I just remember saying, because <laughs> Francis Druin had got up there and he spoke on behalf of it and, and was supportive of it. He's a liberal MP from uh, from a rural area. Um, then there was an NDP um Matthew Green had spoken on, on it, supportive. Mm-hmm. And so then I got up and I just commented and said, I think the only thing that liberals don't like about this bill is that it's brought forward by a conservative. Mm-hmm. And so they will fight tooth and nail. And I, I don't know if you followed PROC. I don't know if you followed the Good Times and the Procedures and House Affairs Committee for the mm-hmm. last, uh, from February 23rd on. But like, I listened to them filibuster for 73 hours. Um, and, and you just sit there going, are we able to have a conversation? And that a lot of times I find that that people don't want to talk. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to get back to talking. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we no, need I mean, to get back to just conversations. I mean, definitely, when we kind of played that, that flip card on them with C10, and we filibustered for, for a change, they didn't seem to like that too much in the house. <laughs> oh, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> they were calling it out. And so every time they were calling it out, I was saying, filibuster 101 days 101 days so yeah, they were <laughs> well that's the thing too i mean because sadly i mean c10 ended up passing I mean, you were right there on, on the front lines as well with, with mp hard and you're and then literally stephen go literally well, attacked him. so c10 is going to be st- like c10 has been sent to committee let's okay so looking at the parliamentary schedule the house closed last wednesday the senate closes tomorrow or on wednesday i don't know which day they're going to finally adjourn c10 has been sent to committee uh, what else is it? There's been two that are sent to committee, C10, C6. Those weren't ever going to see the light of day, to be honest. 
the government made it seem that way, but they didn't talk about the fact that we still have a whole other house that it has to go through. Mm-hmm. Same with Bill C-19. They, they wanted to rush to get it through. We didn't have any witnesses. We had no professional witnesses on a legislative piece of bill, which is never heard of. Um, and, and they just wanted to rush things. So all of these things that are sitting in committee, C-10, they just want it. It just became a farce. Mm-hmm. And the more that you see, saw people go against it, the more that you saw the flaws of the minister come out as well. Yeah, no, definitely. Attacking, attacking Rachel Harder, which in my mm-hmm. mind you don't do because she's harder and she's very special <laughs> to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's a good saying. No, definitely. Me. Yeah, literally every time you, you pressure them a little bit more, you kind of snap back a little bit, a little bit more as well. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, that was crazy. Dude, just like watching like the proceedings, you kind of go like, like, what's he? It's like, what's he going on? Like, like where's he? Yeah, well, where's he coming from? Well, last week I got to watch. It was our final House of Commons. It was at the final question period, and you know. Um, let's not kid ourselves. Rumpel is extremely <laughs> effective. Mm-hmm. And that's because she knows how to go in and kind of turn a little bit. <laughs> and what I found in the last, about in the last month and a half of her questions, she's been nothing but facts. Like mm-hmm. it's been like fact, 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 fact. She's taken anything personal out of it, anything diggy. And all they continue to do is exploit her. So mm-hmm. last week, the prime minister attacked her on, oh, well, she wants to know something about Oklahoma. He brought up Oklahoma mm-hmm. in his response. And her question was, what can Canadians expect about the border crossings? You know, families want to be reunited. Um, I've spoken to families that we can't get here in time because of, uh, you know, whether there's a funeral or an illness. We just can't fit, get family up here. Mm-hmm. We've dealt with lots of situations. Uh, and the borders have been closed. And this government hasn't had a great response to what ifs. What do you do in this situation? Mm-hmm. And um, all they've done is personally attacked her. And I just sit there and I think, wow, if anyone ever actually listened to Rumpel's questions, they would see that these are, there was absolutely nothing. But because it was Rumpel asking it, they go mm-hmm. nuts. If it was somebody else asking it, it would have been okay. But mm-hmm. sometimes they just don't like it being conservatives. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Actually, like literally every time she'd ask a question, she'd actually throw in like, like, like two or three facts in it. We, we, we can't oh, even yeah. get anything. Like, can you imagine going to the like, finance community or health community? You can't get any information tabled or get any accountability in any way. Oh, I know. Like Michelle has done a real, taken a real, real lead on this. And you know, we, when we started, we can talk about those documents that we're still waiting, of course, <laughs> coming. And, and the fact that the House of Commons, the Speaker of the House of Commons, is now being sued by the government of Canada, is unbelievable. And and that's mm-hmm. the kind of stuff we, we were dealing with in the final hour in Parliament last week, where this stuff is coming up right before we're supposed to be adjourning for the summer. Um, this government needs to be held to account. If you look mm-hmm. at Michael Chong has spoken about all of the different things when it comes to uh, ethics violations. And, you know, they just, he's talked about ethics violations, the governor general, you know, where are we with that? It's mm-hmm. how long has she been gone? And when are we going to have a new governor general? What's that going to look like? Um, and then let's not forget last year when students were supposed to be going back to work, uh, there was $900 million on the table with the weed charity. Mm-hmm. So, there's so much going on with this prime minister and he's just all over the place. And I just wish that whether it's defense or whether it's ethics or whether it's women, just get something right. I mean, I mean, how how long would it it take you to, to kind of go like exactly point by point of what Justin Trudeau said? How long would that take you? Uh, That took me like a week or a month. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's so crazy too. 
yeah, the implementation of things just doesn't happen. Lots of talking. So when you talk about our budget and the $1.3 trillion, spending $1.3 trillion is a lot easier than delivering the products for $1.3 trillion. Mm-hmm. That's what I would really like to see is after spending this money, what do we actually get in return? What mm-hmm. does that look like? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So. I mean, next, I mean, going back, going kind of back to the Indigenous Peoples Party, I mean, it's like so important too. Like we kind of we, we saw last week with, with Carolyn Bennett. She kind of texted. She texted uh, Jody Wilson Raybould and uh, an article, and she put pension question mark. I mean that uh, that was extremely anti, like really anti-Semitic. Well, let's be honest. That is Carolyn Bennett. That is as um, we can look at her as. Well, some people have called it racist. Some people have called it different things. I call it her being who she is. I've heard her in the House of Commons. Um, personally just destroy people with words i've listened to her um she is the most partisan person you'll ever meet and that's just who she is Mm -hmm. so what she wrote to jody wilson raybould was was carolyn and that's who she is Mm -hmm. we get to see that in the house of commons i get to see that when i work with her and and jody obviously knows that but I, i think she came jody came pretty open about it saying it'd be different if this wasn't the first text she had received in two and a half years but this was the first time carolyn had reached out to Jody and so that just kind of tops it off but I wow. have great respect for Jody Wilson-Raybould mm-hmm. you know I, I will be honest when we everything from doing the medical assistance and dying all of the difficult bills there was something about her that I felt was genuine and her and and Philpott both of those two and mm-hmm. I always said to Mike my husband I say I have two favorite ministers they're the two ministers i can work with because if i have questions i can actually sit down with philpot and i mm-hmm. used to be able to ask her one-on-one questions and same with jody wilson raybould when they're in those ministers positions that's all gone and when those two ministers left i said who's left <laughs> two of their biggest and best ministers were gone mm-hmm. who's left there to fill in those voids and mm-hmm. I, unfortunately we've seen who's left and that's why i think they've called it amateur hour in the house of commons definitely so my last question for you is, I mean, going into the House, I mean, we, we see the last session, we we're kind of coming up to election, probably most likely, maybe the next summer, who knows, it's definitely everyone, the, on everyone's minds. What is, what's the Conservatives' plan to, to get back, to get back into government? I mean, it's long overdue. What's kind of, what's our outline? What's going to happen? Well, I think what we see right now is we're coming out of this pandemic, and the biggest thing is there's going to be a couple things. How are we going to recover our economy, and Mm -hmm. how are we going to be resilient to ensure that we never go through another pandemic like this again? Mm -hmm. So I think as Aaron has put forward, we have our five five pillars to our priority as a plan, to our our plans, Mm -hmm. um, the securing the future. Those are really what we're looking at doing. Um, We need to talk about how do we get Canadians back to work, because that is going to be a challenge. Mm -hmm. Like That that is going to be a a great challenge for Mm -hmm. many, many employers and if we want to get our businesses rolling again that's what we need is we need those resources mm-hmm. so we're going to be coming out with those but we're also going to be talking a lot about how do we ensure because we are let's this global pandemic proved how uh, has proven to us all how we are not uh, immune from this we're mm-hmm. not from our uh, the immune from the economy collapsing almost uh, fully collapsing when mm-hmm. something like this hits so how can we ensure that we're never like this again? Mm-hmm. And so you're going to think, see things like when we talk about ensuring that there's detection, that if there is a virus coming into Canada, that it's actually properly funded to ensure mm-hmm. that we have things that if there are medical issues that we need to deal with, that we have all of the PPE we need. And so we're going to be looking at that as, as we're looking at making sure that there is an economic recovery. And, mm-hmm. you know, the security of this country right now, I think one of the greatest things that we have to are going to be challenged with is the unity of this country and Canadians mm-hmm. being 
being proud of being Canadians for our past and for our future. Mm. And so how do we continue to to build Canada up? Um, Aaron continues to say we cannot build a pull down this great country and and Aiden you talked about it as well you know there are some things that we can be proud of you know we can be proud of our of what we did in South Korea we just celebrated uh commemorated last week the the South the war in Korea and and fighting communism that is what our troops were overdoing you know uh, decades ago those were our those are our men and women who are fighting against communism and, and you can go back and look at those things and we can mm. look at individuals who can't think of someone incredible like Terry Fox? These are mm-hmm. great Canadians that have shown us that obstacles that we can go through these things. Mm-hmm. So yes, there's lots of us. There are lots of things to be ashamed of. I, I'm not going to mm-hmm. say there isn't, but there's also lots of things to celebrate, and how we can move forward together as well. So That's as right. a, a Canadian, I will be an informed patriot. <laughs> I will, I will love Canada, but knowing of its history as well. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for coming on here, Karen. It was awesome to have you. Definitely be great to get you back on again. Thank you so much. And anytime, Aiden, uh, I'm hopefully we, you know, we may be going into an election. I do see mm-hmm. that. I think uh, it's kind of like the chances of rain today, which are 90%. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I see us going into, uh, I do see us going into an election. Um, and uh, I'm ready to get my boots on the ground and mm-hmm. knock on doors again. So Perfect. thank you. Selling this con- thank you. you have- And that was Karen Vecchio, the MP for Elgin, Middlesex, London. Make sure to check out her pages as well as ours and to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.